Welcome to episode 19 of the Reimagining Work podcast. Uh, in this episode, we've entitled Reimagining Performance. And um, taking a uh, perspective, not, not reimagining performance, uh, but reimagining how we look at performance and how we talk about performance in the workplace. Um, because it seems that there are some things that we uh, used to describe performance and some ways of so-called measuring performance that um, I suspect have outlived their useful life. And I think it's time to reimagine and look at ways we might go forward with that. I, I think we can, can, uh, uh, can all agree on the, on the premise that uh, people need to perform at work. That that's undeniable. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah, so yeah, so yeah. let's uh, get let's get that out of the way. And yeah. Not challenging that people to, people do need to perform, not like performing seals, which is what I think sometimes <laughs> tradi- traditional performance <laughs> management te- <laughs> techniques sometimes lead people to think that's what they're being asked to do. Um, but they so work is certainly about um, doing well, performing well, being effective. Um, and I think I think one of the things that um, began to occur to me some time ago was this this idea of performance appraisals was just a complete waste of time and i don't think i'm exaggerating for me when i say complete waste of time absolutely yeah because there's a whole bunch of stuff that goes around them that seems a little bit like a joke to some people well quite a lot of people really um i think i read something recently as well where a lot of a lot of People and and their managers believe that managers aren't actually able to measure performance accurately. So it seems that it's a bit onerous to ask them to measure performance. And there were some structures of performance appraisals that I've I've kind of come across in various clients that I've worked with that just seemed too formulaic and didn't take account really of humans' ability to learn and um, relate to each other and um, develop themselves. And they also very much seem to take a, a theory X standpoint, which, you know, that Douglas McGregor's theory X, Y, way back from 1960. So it alarms me that people still haven't got hold of this, um, that, you know, the theory X, that people are inherently lazy, they don't want to do well, they'll do the minimum to get by, um, which I don't go along with. Theory Y being more that people want to excel, they want to do well, they want to do something that has meaning and they want a sense of achievement. People are not inherently lazy. Um, And I think a lot of performance appraisal processes that I've um, come across take that Theory X standpoint, that people need the the stick in order to be motivated, that they're driven by extrinsic motivation and performance appraisals as they are conducted by and large – seem to conform to that mindset that people need isn't, to be isn't that mindset is, is is i mean obviously i have a tremendous experience in having uh performance appraisals done to me yeah and um i think obviously the amount of satisfaction you get out of your work or the general happiness um which i do believe you can actually measure but um you go to an employee and say, on a scale to from zero to ten, how happy are you at your work? <laughs> and he can say, or she can say, well, it's a seven. Well, mm. there you measured your happiness. Mm. I might be oversimplifying things, but uh, no, it's. I mean, it's it's connected. I mean, if you are unhappy, then mm. you would need a stick to get somebody to move. 
you would perceive somebody as lazy. You would know that he did only that what he needed to do in order to get by in the next appraisal. Yeah, I think. I mean, I think that's part of the conversation too about the the, the context in which people are working. There may be some context, and I think then we reference some of the earlier conversations around command and control and that sort of thing. If you've got a a, a system, an organizational system or culture, where um, you know the rule is you get you you get a flower to grow by pulling on it. If if that's the belief system. Uh, then I can see then why people might feel that you therefore then need to have the external motivation. You need the stick and not the carrot. That's just the system that people are are living in. So I think you can't divorce the system, the, the organizational culture and the policies and procedures from the need or lack of need for a performance appraisal. This is why I think it's just one part of the whole picture of engagement and happiness and satisfaction and, and performance. Um, I think if we if we if we just put performance under the spotlight, um, we're not saying that all the other bits aren't connected. I think that there's there's something that needs to be done around shifting the conversation though from performance and command and control to performance and effectiveness. Um, and I, I talk about it because I've had experiences as well of having performance appraisals done to me. And they're very much things in my experience that have been done to me, not with me. Um, latterly, I, I suppose, I'm thinking of the last time that I was performance managed or praised. Um, it was kind of dressed up in very nice, friendly language. But it was a little bit like, you know lipstick on a pig it was the same process but it was just done in a so-called friendlier way um because i've worked in places where we didn't have performance appraisals and i think when i had that experience years ago the whole the whole idea of needing to have a, a regular performance review was blown out of the water for me and, and in fact what what did happen in this place was we had an annual conversation with the manager um but it was um it was, a re it was actually a really interesting document to complete. It was probably five or six pages of, of prose. So it was no, there were no tick boxes. It was open questions. And it was all around how we viewed ourselves in the workplace, how we viewed our own performance, how we viewed our relationships in the place. And the nub of the conversation that I then took that off to my manager and, and spoke about was what are some of the things in the system, in the organization, in the culture, in the policies and procedures that the managers might look at adjusting or tweaking so that I would be happier in my performance and I would feel more satisfied? It had little to do with things I had done wrong or, or areas of behavior that I need to change or you know, little to do with what I kind of hold as the performance appraisals that I'd had in my earlier career which were more about me and what I had to do to so-called improve in order to fit the culture. And I thought that was quite a liberating thing because very much it was um, a, a period of time I imagined when, well, knowing the manager I had at the time, I, I suppose he, he, he looked forward to the conversations because he enjoyed talking about, in a sense it was feedback to him, talking about what things he could do to improve the workplace rather than things that, he might direct me to do to improve myself. So I think this is why I kind of, I, I, when, when I hear performance appraisal or performance management or performance review, I, 
I bristle a little bit. And I, I also question the notion that a person can be managed because I kind of think then of, you know, horses pulling a cart or, you know, something that you would use a stick to, to get them to do. Well, I think that's, that's maybe a little part of a terminology that you might use. Uh, you know, I, I personally believe that people should or could or can or must uh, be managed up to a point. You you you, you need somebody that um, uh, that helps you yeah. on your way. And and whether you call it managing or coaching or leading, uh, but mm. there has to be something or there has to be some part uh, in the organization where somebody can you know can go to can can say look uh, this situation I need to talk about. Mm. Mm. this conference I need to get to, this mm. course mm. I need to do it, mm. you know, and if you leave all these things up to the individual, and uh, I, I honestly believe it's a bit of a utopian idea where you have just everybody, you know, you, do, you choose the work that you want to do and you, all those kind of things, I think it, 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 it's pretty rare. Um, I think at Semco they do that. You know, you choose your work and you choose your pay and and that culture. It and there's a couple of other companies that actually do it, but I think it's very rare. I oh, I do too. That that's why I think it's a it's it's a conversation. You know, that's why we're having the conversation now. It's a it's an unusual thing, and then I think there still needs to be a reimagining in in most organizations of how. How they look at performance and how they get performance to um, to keep going and to improve. Mm. I, I, again, like you said at the beginning, this isn't about. We're not suggesting we don't need performance and we don't need good performance. In fact, quite the opposite. <laughs> you know, and 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 you know, when you've set up a system where uh, you know people can uh, people can kind of predict what they're going to be talked what's going to be talked about in their performance appraisal. Um, they can kind of predict what the, what feedback they're going to get from their manager about what they need to improve. Um, it it says to me that there's a system that's just ripe for being gamed. There's a system that's just ripe for people to do the bare minimum. There's there's nothing in there that says there's nothing for me. Having again, I'm talking in my own experience. Nothing for me that says this is a place of excellent performance. You know, one one you mentioned Semco. One other organization that sprang to mind as you spoke was Morningstar. Um, you know, the tomato processing firm in America. I think they might be. If not the biggest, one of the biggest pr- firms that processes tomatoes. And if you've if you've ever used ketchup or eaten a tomato product in America, the likelihood is that you've eaten a Morningstar product. Now they have a really interesting self-managed culture there. And at the beginning of their year, they don't have performance conversations or, or goal setting or any of that nonsense with managers. They have got they have like a it's like a, a social there's like a social network, I suppose of. In my job, there are certain people that I need to interact with in order to do my job well. And I have a negotiation, a conversation with, with those people about what they need from me in order for them to do their jobs well and vice versa. So in a sense, because we're, you know, it, it's highly self-managed, they're having very mature adult conversations with their peers, recognizing that they're part of an intricate network, a complex network that relies on them and that they rely on. And they do the negotiations because actually they're one of the top performing businesses in their field and they want to maintain that position. 
You know, so again, it comes back to McGregor's theory. Why people want to excel, people do want to do well, and work for win. organizations. They want to win, and they want to work for organizations that are winning as well. Of course. And it's that thing of you know getting out of the way of people performing well, um, but it takes a big leap. You know, it takes a leap of the imagination, I suppose, for a certain number of managers to think, "How am I going to do my performance reviews?" Well, maybe I take a bit of a leap, and I think that's what my manager that I, that I spoke of before. I think that's what he had done. He had taken a leap and gone, "This is how we're going to do things here," because in reality. There's nothing I can do to make sure that these people do their work well. I've hired some great people. Let's see if we can create an environment where I don't have to pull on the flower to make it grow. I've just tended the garden and the flowers are growing quite beautifully on their own. The gardening metaphor. The gardening metaphor again, yeah. I, I read um, years ago, I read one of the, the snappiest and most informative blog articles that I've read for a long, long time, and it was called The Only Question a Manager Should Ask in an Appraisal. And the blog article consisted of one, one question, that was it, and it was, what stops you from doing a good job? I thought, that's a beautiful way, and I kind of think, reflected back to my manager, it's a beautiful way of framing a performance appraisal when the focus is on the system and creating the context and the, the fertile garden. And the manager says, what's, the, what's one thing that stops you from, or what stops you from doing a good job? Opens up so many interesting conversations, yeah. a bit like yeah. my manager did, mm -hmm. where he gets information, I'm thinking of you know, John, um, about what things could be done to improve the place. And that the, the, the doing, the, the things that, that we wanted to happen, we, we were uh, allowed to do, if you like. The, the space was created because we knew that there were certain policies or procedures or systems of working that would make our work easier or faster or better or more satisfying or whatever. And we were given the space to do that, which mm. was um, quite revolutionary when I look back on it. it. For me, it just seemed like this is just the way that things got done. And it contrasted with some horrible performance conversations I'd had in my past where instantly the conversation zoomed into what I hadn't been doing well enough. And I kind of thought, this is great. I, I had one of the greatest... Um, um, appraisals of all time and it was literally a phone call saying why don't we meet at the restaurant close to your work mm -hmm. and um, we'll have a beer and I'll just sign your um, your mm -hmm. appraisal mm. and, uh, and and then we'll just have a beer Mm. There was no discussion, there was no talk, there was no checking, there was no uh, yeah. getting up to speed, there was no what if, there was no is there anything I can do, there is no no questions, no, and um, at that time I wasn't utterly, I was not happy, period, and so I was like, whatever, dude, whatever. Because I knew up front that I, I could not expect anything from him anyway. Mm -hmm. Even if mm -hmm. we had a conversation for an hour, or if he would have asked me the question, what, what was the question? How can you do your job better? Or what, what, yeah, what, what do you need to do your job good? Uh, it was, uh, what's, what, what's getting in the way of you doing a good job? Exactly. Well, I, I could have, have written an epistle on that. 
and uh, it would not have made an iota of difference. Oh. N not at all, nothing. Oh. So as far as I was concerned, I mean, that was like the best way to do an appraisal because he wasn't going to get anything from me and I was definitely not going to get anything from him. So I might as well just have a beer and just call it a day. Yeah, right. And so that's what happened afterwards. And that's so sad. So yeah. sad. I know. I knew it was sad when it happened. And when I think back on it, it's still sad. And it's it's just, I mean, if you, if you, if you reach a point of that where you, as colleagues or as a manager and an employee, reach that state of indifference and, and, and apathy, you know, it's just mm. like, why the hell do I get out of bed at all? Well, precisely. Then, if you don't care, why should I care? Yeah, and and yeah. like the next is going to be next appraisal is not going to be better. It's not going to mm. change anything. It's I'm not going to be motivated to any to do anything. You know, I've, yeah. I've I can work my ass off and still get only like one percent. You know, like mm. back then they could ah you well we calculate blah 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 yeah you're going to get this much and I just and I calculated how much that was in a month net. Mm. I said, oh, good. I can, so I can buy, actually, I can buy one CD from the extra that you pay me Wow! in a year's wow. time. In a year? After a year Jesus. of appraisal or whatever, then we get like an extra or, you know, you, you go up. We didn't even keep up with the inflation of the economy. So, I mean, there's, a, there's another problem, I think, with the way that performance appraisals are conducted is that they get linked with pay and money and rewards and things. And I think that's a mistake as well. Difficult to separate, I guess. It is difficult. I mean, I, I, I've seen it also in places. I mean, again, if I'm, again, I can talk from my experience. I've seen, I've seen this in other places where they separate the money conversations, money and reward conversations from the performance conversations. Because when you put them in the same thing when you wrap them up together there's the implication that your pay and reward is dependent on your performance improvement that sort of thing or that if oh, you, if you do this extra bit was, yeah. and I'm not sure that's always entirely useful I don't think so either but th that's how it was well look at it looking at the other, other way around if you I mean just, just to illustrate the example with the example you've given and and hearing the tone in your voice if if you calculate it, all it means is a, a, an increase in pay is equivalent to a CD. The other way around, well, where is the motivation? Because they have been linked, you see. Where where is the motivation that's implicit to do anything extra? Because you've linked the two. Yeah, and the, this is why it, I think it, it's, it's, it's not there. It's, it it doesn't exist. Yeah, well, see, I think I it's mean, a you start out very very enthusiastic and 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 driven and all those kind of things, and then they. Uh, uh, slip you around the head with that and the first time they have an excuse and then it's this and then it's that and, and then that we actually had a year where they said well we have to freeze everything and then but and they all oh, will make it up for next year and then they come up with this and and you know and at some point you go why why would i why would i why mm. you know I, i'll just do what i need to do i'll, I'll, I'll show up I'll make sure the client is happy, mm. and that's the bottom line. That's the that's the only thing, basically that that's going to happen. Mm. And um, yeah, well, you see, in this case, so like, how how often would you say that your boss had had conversations about your performance 
over a year, or was it saved up for the annual? We need to have a performance a appraisal. Like you had like a half year review, and then right. a year, and the year review would be the one that would uh, the significant one where you get, um, you know, thumbs up, thumbs down, whatever. Yeah. You see, this is again. I think this is part of the problem: is that conversations about performance seem to be saved up, or or they happen with such rare, with such rarity, that it seems an upside down thing for me as well. If an organization wants to improve performance, why aren't performance conversations being had all the time, all over the place? That, especially when you work on projects, because you can you can do a review of every project. You know, and, yeah. and and with every project, you can go, you can look back and say, "Well, how did you experience the project? Well, this and that and that. Were there things that you'd say that could be improved on the project? Oh, uh-huh. yeah, this and this and that. Ah, and and did you have enough resources or whatever to do your job properly? Yeah. Or if if you feel anything that you couldn't, what was it?" Why did you, you know, got in the way into problems? Sort of oh, this and this and that. Okay, all right, and that. And then, then the next project comes along, and then we can take that information, and we can make sure that you know certain things you can change, like that. Sure. Right. I mean, doesn't take anything. Just just a little bit of effort can be changed. Some things you can change. Not overnight. Takes a while, or you know. But then, you know, feedback, right? As a manager, you can say, well, you know, these things take a little while, but we can take a look mm. at it. I mean, or for something like, oh, well, I've heard that from somebody else also, so we can take that into consideration and, you know, and so, so on. So was, was there some, these were actionable things that got, came out of your project reviews. Was anything done about it afterwards? No. See, that's, that's what I mean. It's that for me is is a half conversation because it's like it's not been heard. There's been notes taken, but nothing has ha- actually happened. No. Which seems a little bit like going through the motions, a little bit like how I see a performance appraisal. No, no, performance as far appraisal. as I was concerned, everything had to come from the employee. Right. So and and usually the only thing that were certificates. That that's it. Mm-hmm. That's the only way they measured anything, basically, on the certificates that you that you got. So because uh-huh. <laughs> when you have a certificate, when you don't have a certificate, and I worked in IT, so when you don't have a certificate, you can't say to the client, "Well, we have a cert- certified." Blah, blah, blah. Mm. The minute you're Cisco certified or Microsoft certified. Mm. We can add 25, 50, 75 euro per hour mm. on your head. So I want you to be certified. I invest in that because I, that's, right. that's, that's <clears throat> a, a, a no-brainer ROI. Because the minute you're certified, I can ask 50 per hour, 25 per hour, whatever it is, extra. While otherwise, I would have to... Go lower on the price, maybe sell you a little bit more. You know, but he's an all-round nice guy. He knows what he's doing. He's got a lot of experience. Blah blah blah. You this and that. Yada yada yada. You know, but if I have a certificate, if I'm certified, because like, mm-hmm. oh, he's certified. 
mm. and, and you get like, and so that's the bottom line. And if that's, oh, that's the, the bottom, bottom line, line, then that's how they perceive you. That's how, I mean, it's it's like when you you would be walking around, um, like, did you ever play? Now you wouldn't have, but did you play? The, you know the Sims, the game, the Sims. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's they have this thing above their head, and there's a movie of it also that's got, and it's about the book that I told you about, about Demon, where you have, they, the, the end goal was to create uh, glasses with augmented reality, you mm -hmm. have those glasses, so my glasses know who you are, and above you I get all the information about sure. you that I need, well that's, a, that's how they would have liked it to be when I was in the IT, because they would just wear the glasses and they look at you and they can see above your head Oh, you certified that, certified that, certified that, certified that. Oh, dude, we need to talk. And if, if, if somebody would walk by and he had no certifications, he would like, you're not important. Goodbye. And mm -hmm. I mean, that's, that's how it went. It was, for me, it was very depressing because I, I, well, honestly, I, I'm not much of a study head. And I, uh, at some point, I didn't enjoy it anymore. And, you know, but you see how others are treated. When well, they, again, when it, it comes what you're describing. Then it comes back to a culture where performance is a thing that's measured, and then mm -hmm. if it's measured, it's, it, you can if it's measured that you that old idea. If it, you know, if, if it's if you can't measure it, you can't manage it, which I think is rubbish. Um, and that performance in the place that you're describing was about things that can be measured. Well, the performance for me is about a whole bunch of other stuff. Performance is not about efficiency and tick boxes and things that are measured. Performance is about. Uh, how well do people collaborate and interrelate and share information and knowledge? You know, it's it's about it's about effectiveness, not efficiency. Well, it's about both actually, but effectiveness has got to be part of the conversation. Mm -hmm. So when you're in a workplace where the thing that they see is measurements, and therefore those are the things that we manage, those are the things that we talk about in performance appraisals, those are the things that we try and get you more measurable things. There's missing. There's a whole part of the conversation I think that's missing true, true, in terms true. of it being. An effective workplace, a satisfying workplace, you know, you could measure. I remember a story about uh, a local, local, organ, local government organization here that said we have one of the, we have a very good customer satisfaction measurement. The things that they were measuring were just wrong, but they had made that logical leap of we've we've asked these questions, and you have to ask things that are measurable only. Don't you can't ask things that are unmeasurable because that's too difficult. So. Did the person did the repair did the repairman turn up at your door wearing a uniform a tidy uniform and did they smile when you opened the door yes tick so they had measured these bizarre things and then made the logical leap that we have good customer service however if you ask the customers the ratepayers the people in the community are you happy with the service you get they had incredibly low rating but incredibly low information back no we don't have good service from our council. So, I mean, it was a very forward-looking manager who decided to revamp how they did things. But, you know, if you focus just on the measurables, you're missing a whole bunch of information out that I think is also related to satisfying. But it's also, you're, you're, you're gaming your own system, right? I mean, well, exactly. That, that, that's that's kind of the... Uh, uh, I, I just watched something about the, the, the smoking ban in New York. And like with everything, I guess... Um, the the guy who was like leading uh, the charge against the uh, non-smoking or for mm. mainly for secondhand smoke, they had this one research mm. 
and um, that's what's their main weapon. Mm-hmm. And that particular research was like completely debunked uh, a, a, um, a year or a couple of years after, where mm-hmm. they said, well, they just came up with certain numbers. They picked the numbers they wanted in order to, and they've done so ever since mm-hmm. with all those kind of things. And they just mm-hmm. picked the statistics that they can use or twist them around in a certain way, and then they, well, there you go. That, that yeah. this is it. This is this is yeah. the truth. And I guess yeah. that the same thing what they do with, uh, like I said, with with, because when I started out in IT, it was not a big company. It was actually it was good for you. you. Got a car, you got a computer, you got like your ISDN connection, you wore a suit, you know, and and I didn't study or anything. So for me, it was like I was wearing an overall and then I was wearing a suit. I had to buy a suit mm-hmm. and was like, what the hell? Mm-hmm. But this 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 company, the only thing it did over the period of the two years that I worked there was preparing everything so they would be uh, the the perfectly suited to be taken over, to be bought out by a oh, bigger right. company. Oh right, yeah. Okay. So everything they, all the reorganization, the structure, and and, and moving around of people. I mean, in those two years, I had three different managers, for instance, right? Uh, so you yeah. couldn't do anything. You couldn't get anywhere. You had all the, the basic certifications, all the basic you know, training, da 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 And they just gobbled up people, you know, got them everything, and then boop, 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 and they had the perfect pyramid. Uh, that also was their logo, by the way. And, <laughs> and it was just perfect. And then they sold the whole thing, and they went like, goodbye. Yeah, and well, and yeah. and they leave you to it, and then you become another company, and that happened actually to me like four times actually. I, so, you know, by the end, you're just literally just a number because yeah, they yeah. don't know how to deal with you anyway. And they had a, they had a different purpose. Like I, when I think about absolutely, I'm, and I'm, it wasn't thinking, about you. It's not about you, but also that business that in that phase of its life that had a particular purpose, and it wasn't about satisfying customers. It was about getting itself ready to sell. I'm exactly. thinking about businesses. That in an ongoing way, purport to be there for the customer, there for the client, and if you're going to be there for the customer and the client, I think you have to be there for the people that are working there as well. And the way that we look at performance, you know, in that case you've described, they looked at things that they could measure because at the end of the day, the person who was buying it wanted the numbers. They exactly. wanted that sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah. So as you they say, looked at the books. It's perfect. It's yeah. perfect for gaming. Absolutely. If you want to game something, you can game something. Absolutely. Absolutely. We know. We know yeah. that. We got yeah. great performance reviews. Yeah, because that's what they want to show. That's what they want to see. Exactly. With yeah, everybody. Sure. I mean, yeah. There's a couple of rotten eggs, but you know, <laughs> of course. But you know. But then you general, show that. But in response, then again, it's a good one. And in response to that, then you show that you've got some good, um, good systems and processes in place to manage the rotten eggs. Exactly. You know, again, it's it's a lot of effort, I think, for not much positive output. And by that, I mean satisfied customers who come back to you, who uh, who tell everyone you must go and use this company. You know, that that sort of thing is it doesn't kind of generate that sort of thing, I believe. No, 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 no. This, this is short term playing yeah. the game. Yeah, that, yeah that's yeah. that's what happened. And and the long term strategies, uh, as far as I'm concerned. And many with me, uh, they take a much more fundamental approach on how how you deal with people, how you deal with your clients, yeah, uh, how you deal with uh, 
uh, structuring the business and and the, the performance of people. I mean, these kind of things. I mean, it's you know you have to have a long term vision if you want to stay in the game for a long period of time. Sure, and and I think that I mean vision. I think is is key. You know, in terms of reimagining how we might look at performance. It starts, I think, big picture. What's the vision? What's the what's your purpose? Again, people kind of, um, you know, quote Simon Sinek. Start with why. Um, th there is a, a really big part of performance which is related to people understanding why they come to work, why they're doing the thing, this this shared project together, why they're working for the same business. What's what's the common purpose? Because I think there is something that you can start begin to evaluate performance, and people can go, well, am I helping the business to achieve this common purpose? Well, one, do I go along with it? And then am I helping, am I contributing in some way to achieving this common purpose? And if, if I feel like I'm not, what are some of the things going on around here that might be changed? Because don't blame me, but, you know, what was it um, Deming said, blaming, some, blaming bad performance on a person is, or blaming, you know, blaming bad performance on an individual um, you could equivalent that to blaming the weather forecaster for having a rainy day, or something like that. You know, it's a, it's a similar sort of thing. So, what's the common purpose? Um, am I contributing? What's getting in my way of doing that? Because I think it's more about what are the things in place around me that are inhibiting my performance. Um, but again, maybe it's you know, flight of fancy. I do tend to believe that people want to do well, and that motivation is largely internal in the first place. And external, I'm thinking of myself, is, is minimal compared to the internal motivations of wanting to do well and be satisfied and be happy and think I'm making a difference in some way or that I'm not just on some sort of treadmill in my life. People want to be, um, want to have a meaningful existence. That's right, yeah. And yeah. especially the ones that think about it for more than 10 minutes. That's right. And yeah. turn off the television for more than 10 minutes. Yeah. Uh, I, I really do believe that, you know, that emptiness that, that, that a lot of people can have um, is, is not very helpful. And, and most no. people would want to have a, a meaningful existence. And, you know, you can't get around the fact that you spend most of your time, uh, your waking hours, at work. Yeah. And um, if, if that is not meaningful, it's empty, then it, it becomes very difficult to do anything, I guess. And, and, I mean, and, then, and then it becomes difficult to, 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 to find the energy to, to, to actually you know, do Because it, it well. drains you. I mean, it yeah. drains you. And, and, and then you, you get mopey, in, in, for starters, you know, in the beginning. And then... You take it home, and you know you go. I'm going to bet, or I'm 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 going to have an extra drink tonight because this is just because yeah, it doesn't matter. I'm just I've just got work tomorrow. <laughs> and yeah, exactly. And and then the weekend comes, and you try and do something fun, but by the time you're relaxed, it's Sunday evening at eight. You know, and 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 that spiral is something that is very much enhanced when you have that that cycle. You know that that performance uh, um, uh, evaluation, where you are constantly reminded of the things that you don't do well, 
and you're constantly reminded of the things that a company doesn't do well. Yeah. Because it's in 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 a very old school traditional sense and the way that I experienced most of my conversations, it's a lose lose situation. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And um, that is something that you desperately want to turn around. And if you're talking about reimagining performance, then I think performance should be a win-win situation where the employee performance is satisfying satisfying for the employee yeah. to begin with. Yeah. And the company has to perform as well um, on a you know, and, and not just, you know, financially, not just that the stakeholders are happy, um, but that they can say, well, you know, on a scale to one to ten, how happy are you in your job? Well, I'm, I'm going to give it an eight yeah. today. You see, the, the guy that took me for a beer and it was a kind of a non-event, the performance thing, and he signed the paper. What, what, what do you imagine on reflection was behind his very... Very, very, very laid-back attitude to that. <laughs> what was what was behind it? Do you think uh, the avoidance of confrontation? Okay, I think that almost most definitely was the motivation for him. So, mm. and that that too was a two-way uh, thing. It was a mutual. That was a mutual. I thing. wasn't. I wasn't. I wasn't performing. You know, I was just getting through the day basically sure. so there was definitely something that we could have had a discussion about and but he knew that as soon as he started something on that on me personally i would turn it around like that and bring it back to him and and start about dude show me the fucking money and we'll talk so how long do you think this had been building I mean, I I kind of have I can picture the scene like there's some stuff that he probably wants to address with you, and it doesn't happen. I mean, this is again one of my big problems with waiting. I'd to say the years. Angle. I'd say Jeez. over a period of two now nah, two years something like two that. years. Yeah. So see, th th this is one of the problems I have with the 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 performance review as we currently imagine it is that these are conversations which are saved up. You know, when I said earlier, this sort of effective, effectiveness land that I inhabited when I was at that workplace that I described earlier, we're having performance conversations all the time with each other, and not in a kind of confrontational way, because it, it hadn't built up to the point where we had to have blood on the walls. You know what I mean? Isn't it the same thing in any relationship that you have? Precisely. I precisely. mean, because Lila and I have been together now for 20 years, Right. Congratulations. Thank you very much. And um, Lila has learned that she should not bottle up whatever it is that is bothering her. Mm. And she used to do that amazingly. Mm. And, uh, you know, it's... Uh, <laughs> Mm. <laughs> the, the main reason for that, that I wasn't the best guy to start a confrontation with because <laughs> I could react uh -huh. uh, volatile. Right. And, um, but the problem was then she would not confront me because she knew that I would react a little bit of volatile. So she would keep it to herself. 
but she can only keep it to herself for that long. And at some point, it comes out. It's inevitable. Mm-hmm. But then it comes out in a way to which I react. Which is more. not so helpful yeah, for okay. either of you. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so you have a choice either not to do the confrontation at all and your relationship that just deteriorates even more. Yeah. To and the point where she goes, look, just give me a piece of paper, I'll sign it, we'll go for a beer. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Have our lawyers go for a beer. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but true. No, but that's the thing, right? I yeah, mean, yeah. that's when you get to a point where where it does just doesn't um it doesn't work anymore and now those the the periods where she's keeping things to herself are is dramatically shortened and um it gives me a chance to deal with things that i need to deal with um because let's face it 99% of the times that there's a conflict in our relationship i am kind of the problem <laughs> but uh <laughs> well you know and um, you know i always try and blame her but it just doesn't work out this is this is yet again all roads are leading back to that word social you know the the thing about doing work better is about developing those sort of social skills and it's no surprise to me to hear that you guys after 20 years have got to a point where you can talk about stuff and it doesn't have to be inflammatory Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think you know people that, that hang in and they work on their relationship and they become aware of themselves and are open to learn from each other, are open to be affected by each other. I think that's a, a marvelous thing and it's a natural thing that happens when people become close. These are skills that can be transferred to the workplace too, Absolutely, I absolutely. But it's something that you really need to learn it's, and it's difficult. For me, it was really difficult. It was a difficult process to get through in order to learn and to to. to to stay calm and to to accept the criticism you know it didn't come absolutely easy. absolutely and, and if you avoid and avoid and avoid and avoid whether it doesn't matter what kind of relationship it is it really doesn't if you don't confront if you don't deal with the situation oh. it'll deteriorate to into nothing and, and yeah and you end up just signing a document and pretend that you're good colleagues and have a beer you know yeah and again, reinforces again for me, as a lens I see things through, the importance of learning these so-called people skills, so-called soft skills in the workplace today. Because I remember, if I can just move just for a moment into my old world of therapy, I remember when I was um, I'll allow it. doing some stuff around couple counseling. Mm-hmm. And couple therapy was that a, a good... Uh, a good relationship, a you know, partner relationship in your adult life, if you find a partner that's willing to stay and hang in with you and vice versa, is potentially a, a healing response to some things that went on in your childhood, which is why if you do, there are certain kinds of couple therapy that you, you'll, you'll find that your partner has the best and the worst of both of your parents in them, if you kind of dig a little bit deeper. And some things that we learn, we are a complex system, so you may have learned that you know, when somebody says gives you some feedback, the best thing is to be defensive, because it's usually not going to be so helpful. We take that into our adult relationships, and they're really not helpful. A partner who stays with you for twenty years gives you that place 
to learn some new skills of how do you relate to people mm -hmm. as a healing thing from things we've learned when we were younger. Now, again, I think for people that pretend that we leave ourselves at the door at work, they're fools. We bring all of ourselves into the workplace. And <laughs> so conflict, conflict avoidance by managers who are scared of conf you know, having a conversation about performance. Shouldn't be managing. Is one that will. They need to go off and do some stuff around how do I have difficult conversations with people because if they can't have conversations about performance or they perceive that they will be hugely conflictual or they'll end up in a row or they'll be unloved, they have got to get some serious stuff through their heads because they shouldn't be in those positions. Exactly. This guy here built up for two years a conversation and it ended up just saying, I'll have a beer with you. We never had the conversation, exactly. And you never had the conversation. And one of my one of my mentors that I learned from a teacher of mine is, it's best to have courage in the first instance than the tenth. Because if you leave a conversation, it festers, it builds up. Oh. In, in the first time I have an issue with you, I should be having a, having a conversation. And I should have the courage to have the conversation in my first time and not wait for the tenth instance that, I've, that I kind of, by this stage, I'm a volcano waiting to, to explode. Exactly. Courage in, Courage in the first instance, not the tenth, is one of my mentors. And I, you know, I think if, if twenty on seconds, the, on right? The, on the on the people side of stuff, um, you've got to learn how to have these sorts of conversations and and realize that it's not about you being unloved or having somebody raise their voice a bit at you. You've got to have the conversation. Exactly. Twenty seconds of courage. Twenty seconds of courage. I got it from a movie with Matt Damon, and it just stuck with me. It's 20 seconds of courage. That's, that's, right. that, that's all you need. It's, it's, it's what you need to open a conversation, to pick up the phone, or walk up to somebody, or whatever. It's 20 that's seconds. Right. After that, whatever happens, happens. And, in the first and usually instance, it's not that bad as you think it is. Precisely, I was just going to say. And in the first ah, instance, you need, you, need, you, need, you need one milliliter of courage in the first instance. If you wait till the 10th instance and it's built up, you, you need, need 20 so milliliters more. of courage, yeah, yeah, yeah. and that is hard. 20 milliliters yeah, of well, courage. Normally, usually, you don't, you don't get to choose that moment, right? That's I mean, right. You don't get to have the courage to, to actually do it because you're forced into uh, dealing with it. And, and, and that brings with it so much stress. That's that right. Really not healthy. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. So this is the again this and this is part of the whole thing about performance. You know, it's how do we have conversation? How do we have conversations about performance all the time with all kinds of people all over the place? And exactly. I think if you've got a culture of performance where it's okay, we talk about performance and it's not a personal ins it's not it's not an insult. But I want to talk about performance, how you're doing, how I'm doing, how we're doing. Yeah. And yeah. If and, it's and just not just manage it to to employee, right. but employee right. to employee, you know, you do it horizontally also because that's, that's normally, exactly right. uh, you know, the employee goes into the office of the manager and they have a secret conversation yeah. that only HR knows about, something yeah. else that they go like, what the fuck do they need to know about that? But, you know, there you mm. go. Only HR knows it because it goes into the files yeah. and files that obviously later can be used against you whenever it suits them. And, uh, and that's it. And then you walk out and then either there's a strong cold face or, you know, usually there's no emotion because we can't share if it was good or bad because, you know. Privacy we, laws and blah, 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 blah. Well, you know, you, yeah, don't, yeah. Don't want, you don't talk about how much money you make and you don't talk about who you that's voted right. and you don't talk about how your performance went. So That's right. Yeah. You know, 
And Can I tell you a, hor a horror story? That what you've just described is the first step of a horror story, that, a real life horror story of an old client of mine, where stuff was said about somebody, employee to employee, stuff was said, it was written down, more stuff was said, was written down. Of course, who was the person who didn't get involved in the conversation? Person was involved. the person it was about. Yeah. So what happened was months down the track, it might have even been a couple of years down the track, this person gets noticed that they're going to have a, a formal process done to them. Why? Well, your performance is substandard. What? No, well, no one told me? Almost as if it was, the, and the implication being, well, you should just know. So all of this information was gathered about the person and contributed by other people, their colleagues, their manager, other managers, because what they were doing was yeah, stopping yeah, other yeah, yeah, the, yeah. And this person is being is like a, a you know a bolt out of the blue. A official performance management process was put into place by by surprise. This person said, "Well, I'm I'll do what I I need to, but I'm taken a little bit aback by this. Through this, the the motivation to stay at this workplace just drained away. Wow. Previously, she was really happy. The motivation drained away because suddenly there's this stuff going on about her that she wasn't party to, and all it would have taken." was courage in the first instance, 20 seconds of that courage in the first instance to say, oh, hey, can I have a quiet word? There's just some stuff that's going on. But what, they just let it build up. Anyway, um, she left under a cloud. The employer was, um, so, was severely stung because uh, it was a, an unfair dismissal because she was never told about this stuff. The unions got involved. Ooh. And it was only that that caused them to think, maybe we need to be doing something about our manager's having conversations <laughs> about performance. Well, at least they learned something. Place. They learned something, and actually it turned the place around. But, you know, it's really sore. But Left not really before we ruin sore. you. Yeah. Not before we ruin you and we damage ourselves and we mm. give ourselves a bad reputation in the eyes mm. of the unions. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. yeah. Which takes years to build back up again. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Anyway. So, in conclusion. In conclusion. Performance, performance is something that happens all the time. Yeah. Is to be talked about all the time yeah. by everybody anywhere. With with everyone. With and everyone. Develop develop the ability and the courage to have and the not by everyone. At, at, but with everyone. With everyone, yes. Yeah. Make them mutual. Yeah. Not true. just let me take you for a beer and sign this piece of paper. True. Yeah. Good. Nice. Nice. So until our episode twenty. Episode 20, milestone. Milestone. Uh, <laughs> until episode 20, we'll say farewell. And if you've listened this far, thank you for listening. And um, we'll speak to you next time. Yeah. Please go to rwcast.com and subscribe to our newsletter or whatever. And don't miss an episode ever again. Thank you. Goodbye. Goodbye. <laughs>